Well, what incredible hope that that is in Jesus Christ. You know, Sunday mornings, as I've said often, is, is my favorite time of the week to be with, uh, with my church family here at Fairlawn. And it's been because of some of my overseer responsibilities. Um, I've been gone quite a bit these last few weeks, and we'll be gone again next week. But there's nothing sweeter than being here on Sunday mornings and worshiping our Savior, uh, Jesus Christ, together. I'd like for you to turn with me to Mark chapter 10. We are in this series in the book of Mark, uh, entitled Encounters with Jesus. Now, in Mark chapter 10, as we get there, uh, Jesus in Mark chapter 10 is beginning his journey towards Jerusalem. Uh, Luke 9.51 says that Jesus set his face upon Jerusalem. And what, what he was saying is, is Jesus was making his march, knowing that he's going to Jerusalem ultimately to give his life, to die for us, and then to be resurrected. And so this begins Jesus' journey to Jerusalem for his crucifixion. Mark chapter 10 beginning in verse 1, it says that Jesus left that place and went to the region of Judea across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him, and as was his custom, he taught. And some of the Pharisees came and tested him, and they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you? He replied. They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It was because of your hard hearts that Moses wrote you this law. And Jesus replied, But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this, and he answered, Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her, and if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. Pray with me. Father, as we uh, look at this passage and from many different perspectives and pray just, I pray for wisdom and I pray for um, our hearts to be open to understanding what Jesus uh, is teaching here uh, for us today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. You know, thinking about this issue of divorce and remarriage, there are two extremes that, that we, we must always avoid. The first is avoid saying more on the subject than what the Bible actually says. In other words, uh, in our desire to protect marriage, sometimes we condemn those who have been divorced. On the other side of that, um, we must also not... Um, let me finish that thought. We have to be really careful that we don't put up barriers that aren't there. We have to be really careful, and I think in the past, uh, the church has, ha has instituted extra-biblical um, rules in this area of divorce and remarriage. 
So on the one hand, we have to be careful that we don't say things that, that Scripture doesn't say. But on the other side of that, we also have to avoid saying less than what Scripture tells us about this issue. And, and sometimes the pendulum swings from, from this really conservative view to the extreme opposite of, of, especially when we live in this culture of divorce and remarriage, of, of allowing it in any case and in any situation and, and not taking a good hard look at what Scripture says. And, and in our desire to respond to hurting people with, with, with the grace of God and with forgiveness and the zeal to reach people, we lower our biblical standard. Because it seems too difficult or too unloving for us to... to to hold to these Christian principles, the standard of God's word. Now, let me tell, just tell you, we are not going to answer every question as it pertains to this whole issue of divorce and divorce and remarriage, because there's just too many scenarios for us to cover in one morning. But what we want to do is, is look at what Jesus said and how he taught about this whole issue of, of divorce and remarriage. And as we look at the text, you know, the very first thing that we see is, is this, the, 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 the Pharisees asked Jesus this tricky question. It says some of the Pharisees came and said, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Now, what, what we have to understand um, is that there were two uh, schools of thought, two, two uh schools of Pharisees. One was Hillel and one is Shemiah. And, and, and Hillel was, was a very liberal uh, rabbi who taught that, that you could get divorced, you could divorce your wife for any reason. If your wife burned your toast in the morning, you could go find another wife. If, if you decided you got tired of the wife that you had, the school of Hillel said that you can get rid of her, put her away, and go find a new wife. And that, that's how liberal he was. And that's why in Matthew, it asks a que question like this. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason, including burning the toast? In contrast, Shemei, they, the, he was conservative. And he said that the only way that you could divorce your wife is it was on the grounds of sexual immorality. Now, now man, a woman couldn't divorce her husband because of his immorality, but only a husband, his wife. And so, so they're trying to trick Jesus into answering this question and choosing sides on either uh, the school of Hillel or the school of Shemiah. And the other thing, if you remember, um, John the Baptist, this is the area where, where Herod was in control of. And remember, John the Baptist had confronted Herod because Herod had taken his brother Philip's wife, and ultimately it was what cost John the Baptist his life, was because he stood up to Herod on this whole issue of divorce. So they really weren't seeking truth. They were trying to force Jesus into a corner. And, and so this was Jesus' response. He say, rather than saying, you know, what, what do you think about divorce? He turns it on them and says, what do you think about marriage? And, 
He says, well, well what did Moses command in verse 3? What, what did Moses tell you to do? And, and what Jesus is referring to here is, is in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1, when it, when it says that if a man marries a woman and it becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent or shameful in some translations about her and he writes her a letter of divorce he gives it to her and he sends her from his house and so that's what jesus is talking about when he says what did moses command and then their response in verse four is well moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away so they're saying look moses said it was okay so we can still do it Jesus' response to that in verse 5, he says, what? It's because of the hardness of your hearts that Moses wrote this law. Because of the hardness of your hearts. So, so Jesus exposes the real reason behind divorce. And it's because of hard hearts. It's because of sin. And, and, and 2,000 years later, nothing has really changed. Divorce happens because of sin. Human hearts are still hard, and that's why, why it's so prevalent yet today. And Jesus goes on and he says, look, he reminds them of God's original design for marriage. He says, first of all, marriage is to be between one man and one woman for life. He says, in the beginning, God made them male and female. So, so marriage is between one man and one woman. Period. That's the way God designed it. Then he says, and he, second is, he, he says, marriage is meant for a lifetime. In verse 7, he says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one. Therefore, he says, what God has joined together, let man not separate. In other words, this commitment that you're making, this is for a lifetime. God created marriage to be between one man and one woman for life. Which in our culture today, rules out things like same-sex marriage. So according to God's original design, marriage between people of the same sex goes against God's design. Therefore, that is sin. Because in the beginning, it says God created Adam and Eve. He made them male and female. So what God has joined together, let man not separate. You see, God never meant for divorce to be a part of his design. It's not the way God designed it. God sees marriage as two people becoming one, committed to one another in a covenant relationship for a lifetime. That's what marriage is. And so after Jesus has, has confronted the Pharisees and said, look, this is what marriage is. It is between one man and one woman for life. And no one is to separate it. And so, so his disciples go with him off to a house after he's, um, after he's uh, had this teaching. And, 
And when they get into the house, it says in verse 10, his disciples ask him about this. And they're asking, because remember, they would have grown up thinking that, you know, either you can, depending on where they were at, you could divorce your wife for any reason, or you could divorce your wife for certain reasons. And, and so they go, when they're in the house, they're asking Jesus this about this. And he says, look, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. So what Jesus is basically saying here is that a man who divorces his wife and, and remarries another woman commits adultery. Because in God's eyes, if the divorce was improper, so is the marriage. And the person that remarries after an unauthorized divorce is committing adultery. In their act of marriage, they commit adultery. So then that brings up the question of, so does the Bible ever allow for a divorced person to remarry? You know, we have people in, in, in all different um, situations here with us this morning. Some of you are in this state of being divorced. And some of you are remarried, and some of you aren't married, and some of you are married. And, and I think this, this teaching applies to all of us in some way. So what are the biblical grounds? And, and we believe here at Fairlawn that there are, um, based on how we read Scripture, there are basically three possibilities for remarriage. The first one is pretty simple. It's the death of a spouse. When, when a spouse dies, then as according to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it says a woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes but he must belong to the Lord. So, so what, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians, look, if, if your spouse dies, it's okay to remarry, but he must or she must be a believer. Which in any situation, if you're going to be married, Scripture is very clear, it says you must marry a believer. If you're a believer, you must marry another believer. So that's one that's one case for uh, remarriage. The second case is in, in cases of marital unfaithfulness. Jesus says in Matthew 8, 19, verse 8 and 9, he says that Moses permitted divorce, permitted you to divorce your wives. Let me start over. Jesus said, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it is not this way from the beginning. I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. Now, that word unfaithfulness in the Greek is the word pornea, um, which means adultery or fornication or sexual immorality. And these are all correct translations. But it's basically referring to a pattern of sexual sin that affects the breakup of a marriage vow. So it simply means that, look, sexual immorality does provide a grounds for divorce from God's point of view. That's what Jesus taught, I believe, here in Matthew chapter 19. But, but 
we have to remember that, that permission to remarry isn't a command. And so, so God never commands us to divorce. He gives permission in certain cases because ultimately, even in the case of marital unfaithfulness, God's ultimate desire is for reconciliation to be, be, be made between a husband and, their, and his wife. And so, ultimately, always God's desire is reconciliation and never divorce. But, but when there cannot be reconciliation in the case of unfaithfulness, Jesus said that, that a spouse can remarry. Now, the third case, I believe, is, is the desertion of an unbelieving spouse. It's found in 1 Corinthians 7. It says, but if an, unbelieving, if an unbeliever leaves, let them go. A believing man or woman is not bound in such a circumstance because God has called us to live in peace. So, so if you find yourself in a situation with an unbelieving spouse and that unbelieving spouse leaves then according to 1 Corinthians, you are free. You're not bound to, you are able to remarry. Now, the thing that we have to be careful of here is, is that because you are a believing spouse and you're married to an unbelieving spouse, it does not give you the right to leave your unbelieving spouse. And in, in, in 1 Corinthians Chapter 7, verse 13, it says, If a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. So if you're in a marriage with a non-believer, what Paul is saying is you need to stay committed. You need to stay committed to the marriage that you're in. You, you don't have a right to leave. You must love them. You must care for them as husband or, or wife. And, and you must love them in a Christ-like way. You must show them Jesus. If you find yourself in this situation. And based on, on what I have read, I've not been able to find any other grounds for divorce or remarriage in the Word of God. So you may be asking, well, Dwayne, what, what about abuse? What about how people that find themselves in an abusive situation? Yeah, the Bible never, never directly addresses that issue. But, but I would believe, I would say, if you, if you find yourself in an abusive situation, it is really important that you remove yourself from that situation. If you feel like your, your life is in, in danger or your health is in danger, um, I believe that, that you should... Um, Get yourself out of that and your children out of that situation for your safety. And, and a, one commentator that I read said there's, probably, there's a good possibility that if you find yourself in an abusive situation, that the, the, the person that you're married to maybe is an unbelieving spouse 
whose sin has, has affected uh, this, the destruction of this marriage. But what, what, do we, what do we make of all of this? As I said before, you know, we find ourselves in a lot of different places when it comes to this topic. Number one, we find ourselves believing a lot of different things and coming down in a lot of different places. So what about that person that's sitting here this morning or that person that you know that, that, that is divorced? And that person is desiring to be remarried. My encouragement to you is, is uh, even, even if you are in a situation where biblically you have the right to remarry, marriage isn't necessarily a better thing or an easier thing the second time or third time around. And I would say time for healing, time to rebuild your life, time to grow stronger spiritually, time to discover uh, the riches of God and, and his amazing grace. And then as God cares for you and speaks to you and, 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 and you sense his presence, if it is God's will, if it is your desire, and in his time he will provide for that. But you should never be in a hurry to get yourself into a second or third marriage. What about those who find themselves remarried after an unbiblical divorce? And th this, is, this is where it, it, it gets really complicated. And so what is the status of a Christian who divorces without biblical grounds and then remarries? Speaking of one of the three that we have just previously talked about. The question always is, is this a continuous act of adultery? Ongoing. What about forgiveness? If someone has remarried unbiblically and is seeking forgiveness, are they forgiven? And, you know, this is something, just on a side note, that, that we could use prayer for. This is something that our conference is really wrestling with when it comes to, to what we do with, with leaders, with, with, with people who uh, have been divorced and remarried and now feel called to ministry. What do we do with them? How do we process that? How do you interpret 1 Timothy 3 when it says leaders are to be the husband of one wife? And it really comes back, I think, to this issue of, is it an ongoing sin? Is it something that, that can be forgiven? And you move on. And you know, Jesus in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 5, he says, anyone who divorces his wife 
must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to be an adult, become an adulteress. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Very same words that he taught in, in pretty close to the same words that he taught in Matthew and in Mark, except for the exception clause. I believe Jesus here is saying that, 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 that remarriage is an act of adultery in cases where it, is, it was improper for you to be divorced in the, in the, uh, to begin with. But I, I also believe that, that he is not teaching that it is an ongoing, that in this relationship, this new marriage, uh, that it is an ongoing, continuous state of adultery. And that God refuses to recognize this remarriage in a legitimate sense. This second marriage. Because if that were the case, if he would look at this as an ongoing, continual sin, in this physical relationship between two remarried people, they would be living in a continuous, adulterous affair. And the only way to, that there would be to break that chain of adultery would be to dissolve that second marriage or the marriage that you're in. And insist that that person's move back to the person that they were first married to. And I don't believe you find anywhere in the New Testament that, um, that model. Remember when Jesus was, was interacting with the woman at the well? So Jesus comes to, uh, to this well, and this, the woman um, comes to the well, and, and they have this conversation, and, and he asks about her husband, and she says, I have no husband. And he says, you're right. Actually, you've had five husbands, and the man you now live with isn't your husband. What I found interesting is Jesus acknowledged all five of her other marriages, that they were really marriages. But the one thing Jesus doesn't do, he doesn't ever command her to go back to one of her other um, husbands, to, back to her first husband. He loves her, he cares for her. And then when she goes back, she goes back to her village and it says, many people were saved because of her testimony. And I think we can learn a lot from Jesus in his interaction with the woman at the well, that we love people. See, he loved her right where she was at, in the situation she found herself. And I think as, as followers of Christ, that, and we want to be like Jesus, we love people right where they're at, in the situation they find themselves in. But I don't think you can ever find in the New Testament that people need to go back to their previous marriage. I think, I think Scripture teaches us that, that the new marriage that, that people find themselves in is the binding marriage that they need to stay committed to. And, and I think in order for that remarried person to... Um, I think there is a need, if you find yourself in a remarried state after an unbiblical divorce, there is a need for repentance and asking God's forgiveness for this sin that you have committed. Because it is still sin. 
Your divorce was still sin. Your remarriage was still sin. But I believe, as 1 John 1, 9 says, that if we confess our sins, he is righteous and just, and we will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, what does all mean? I think it means all. See, I think when we've entered into a relationship like that, people who have remarried, you do need to seek forgiveness and repentance. I believe God forgives and grants forgiveness in such sins for those who seek forgiveness from Christ. We've all been affected by this in some way. I think we all have to wrestle with this, with this issue. And we all come from different places. You know, some, some of you sitting here, as I said earlier, some of you have been divorced and aren't remarried. Some of you have been divorced and are remarried. Some rightly so and some in an unbiblical way. Some of you lost spouses. Here would just be my encouragement. Wherever you find yourself, seek Christ. And make Christ, if you're in a married situation, make Christ the center of that marriage. Make him the most important thing in that marriage. You know, there, you know the, the um, Barna several years ago came out with a study that said 50% of, of the church divorces. It's about the same as, 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 uh, as in the world. But, but when he drilled down on what Barna's study was, um, he didn't have a very high criteria for church going. It was, I think, once a month was the criteria for being a churchgoer. But when you, there was a study done, I can't think of the name of the person right now, but, but when, when a husband and a wife went to church together on a regular basis, like weekly, I mean, you can miss a Sunday here and there, but, but on a regular basis, they attended church together and they prayed together. The divorce rate drops to nearly nothing. Because when we are connected spiritually and Christ is at the center, that, crea- that is the glue that holds our marriages together. So for those of you that aren't married, here's what I would say to you. Begin every day praying. Pray for yourself that you would become the spouse that God has desires for you to be and that he would be preparing a spouse for you also pray you know we need to pray that look god do you even want me to be married because i believe some people god um paul talks about it uh, marriage just isn't for you and i think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on people for them to be married when that's not it's not the way God is, uh, the plan he has for them. We have a wonderful plan for their life, but maybe God has a different plan. 
And so if you're, if you're single, man, don't rush into marriage. And make sure you, you bathe all of this in prayer. Because other than, other than your, your commitment to Christ, this is the most important decision you will ever, ever make. The decision to marry and who you will marry will shape the rest of your life. All of us. It shapes us. And so, for those of the, you, you that are not yet married, these verses apply to you. It's a warning to you of the seriousness of marriage. To those of us that are married, you know, being committed as a man or woman of God is the most important thing that you will do because out of the overflow of your commitment to Christ and your walk with Him that will make you a better husband or a better wife. And then you work really hard and diligently at marriage, at loving your spouse. And one of the reasons that we place such a high priority on premarital counseling here, we require six to eight weeks of premarital counseling. That's one day a week, not, not straight. Maybe we should. But six to eight weeks of, of premarital counseling where we really dig in deep, and, and Steve Bixler does a great job at that, and Paul Mullet helps us out, and, and Steve Swartz and, and uh, a few other people, is because... Having a good start to marriage is critical to a healthy marriage. And one of the best things Verda and I ever did was about, it's probably been eight or nine years ago, we spent a week at, with John Regeer out in Colorado Springs. Had a good marriage, but transformed our marriage into something really beautiful. It's things like that that as married couples we must continue to do is to work at having healthy marriages, at, at showing our children what healthy marriages look like, at showing the world. You know, Paul says in Ephesians that, that, that the marriage, our marriage is a reflection of Christ and the church. Our marriages are an example of, of, of the relationship between Christ and the church. And so, so our marriages preach the gospel. It's very, very important that we work hard, that we invest ourselves in our marriages, and we keep Christ at the center. And as a church, that we care for each other wherever we are at, that we care for those who have lost a spouse, that we care for those who have gone through uh, divorce, that we care for those who have remarried, that we care for each other in our own marriages and hold each other accountable and, and, and just care for each other. This is a really, really sensitive issue to talk about. You know, this is where we find ourselves as a church. You can agree or disagree. Um, and I'd love to talk to you about, about 
the things maybe you disagree with. But the thing that we do need to agree on is, is the, the, the beauty of the institution of marriage and the importance of protecting that beauty. In the decision we make when we get married, in the decision we make when we are married, and how we walk with other people in that marriage. But I would, I would, I would just uh, you know, really uh, appreciate um, interaction with you if you disagree, and if you have other thoughts on this or questions about this whole topic. as we wrestle with it together, because that's what we're doing, wrestling with it together. So let me pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll be done. Father, first of all, we, we thank you for, for the beauty of the institution of marriage. That at the beginning of time, you created one man and one woman to be united to do life together, to love each other and to care for each other for their whole lives. Father, would you, I just pray that, that you would protect the sanctity of marriage here at the Fairlawn Mennonite Church. Lord, that every one of us, whatever state we find ourselves in, would value the beauty of marriage. I pray for our young people, Lord, as they, as they think about one day being married, Lord, that they would seriously um, just pray and, and ask your wisdom and blessing on, on who they should date and who they should marry and if they should marry. And so, Father, would you just um, give them wisdom in that? And for those of us that are married, that we would work hard at healthy, vibrant, Christ-centered, Christ-honoring marriages. And Lord, for those who find themselves in, in painful um, states of, of divorce, Lord, would you give strength and courage and wisdom? And together, Father, may we make this thing of marriage a beautiful thing. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.